Welcome to the New York Mandate podcast, where we take a look at the costs and consequences of New York's COVID-19 vaccine mandates. I'm Amy, and in this series, I'll be talking with people who have been directly affected by mandates about their perspectives and experiences. I'm here today with Asia, and you're talking to me from Florida, right? Yes, I'm in Florida, in the Boca Raton area. Okay. Um, And you have a story that really kind of concerns your whole family um, in terms of what happened with the mandates in New York. Why don't you just um, go ahead and and tell me that story? Sure. So I've been a teacher. I was teaching for New York City uh, Department of Education for 21 years, and um, I had a daughter in 2011, and I... I was married to a religious man and together we decided that we were going to file for the religious exemption for our child um, because we just believed that, uh, you know, whatever the, whatever our beliefs were that, you know, God made the child as is. And um, we were very, very um, focused on sticking to our beliefs. So I wrote my religious exemption for my first daughter. And then we had another daughter and I followed up with the second religious exemption for her and they were both accepted. My oldest daughter, she got through um, to grade, the beginning of grade three with my written exemption, my written religious exemption. And my youngest daughter made it through preschool with the religious exemption. And we had been down here since since I had been remarried, but that's a backstory. But um, it did start with my um, the children's father because he had some religious beliefs and we together wanted to stick with them. Anyway, um, so we were down here in Florida on vacation, summer of 2019. And, you know, I knew there was a lot of buzz about the religious exemption getting removed, but I really was putting my faith, you know, into the Lord and, you know, everything is going to work out. So I didn't want to like get too panicked about it. And then my friend, she, you know, she contacted me and she's like, what are you going to do? You know, Cuomo removed the religious exemption um, and he's mandating all the children to get the vaccines. And, you know, it took us about, you know, a night to pack. We went, we were in Florida that when I found out the news, we went back to New York and, you know, we immediately um, got on board with some of the, you know, the action. We, we went up to Albany. We met, I met with, you know, Robert F. Kennedy. Um, I met with my my tribe, you know, and we were outside and we were talking to each other and we were making noise, you know, because I really did not have a plan because as for myself, I am a teacher, as I mentioned, and my now husband was also a teacher. So I was kind of like thinking, this not only affects my children, but what am I going to do with my children every single day if they can't go to school, you know? Um, so it was like, you know, logistics, but it was also like a deep pang to me that like, I can't even have the freedom to not only, you know, express my religious beliefs, but I don't have the freedom to govern my, my children's blood, period. Like I am being told what to put in their bloodstream. So this really, really, really hit home for me. So there were a lot of things that needed to be worked out. And I, um, you know, I started scrambling, you know, 
and my parents were retired teachers. So my parents, you know, they, cause my mom, she's an acupuncturist an herbologist. She is into holistic healing. My mom feels very strongly the way I do. In addition to the religious aspect of it, um, with, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. The children are healthy. The children do not have allergies. We never saw an ear infection. We never visited an ER in the middle of the night. My children are pure and quite healthy and very intelligent. Um, anyway, so my parents decided that they were going to help us out with the homeschooling aspect. And then it was really a matter of, do we send them to school for the first 10 days of school? And then they're literally, um, kicked out, escorted out maybe, um, or do I just keep them home and not expose them to that type of an experience? Because they're young. My, my oldest was in third grade at the time and my little one was walking into kindergarten. This was like her first experience from, you know, school. So I decided because, you know, I'm a, I'm a warrior. I decided they're going to go to school there. We're going to, you know, lock arms, all the mothers and I were sending them to school. I want to see this for myself, that they're going to literally kick out these kids. Maybe something will change. I wanted my kids to, you know, see a classroom, you know, and my oldest see her friends. So I went back to work. We went back to work. They went to school and the first, you know, after the first 10 days, they were, they were asked to leave and they had, it was very, very, very disheartening. They had to pack up their school bags. They had to remove all their supplies. You know, I invested in all the supplies, you know, with the hope that they were going to be able to stay and they were asked to leave. And, um, it was heartbreaking, you know, and what's funny is that the, the principal, the vice principal was Orthodox Jewish. You know, so I spoke to her on the way out while I was packing up my kids things. And I was like, you know that this is illegal and you know that this is, you know, a violation of Jewish law. You know it, you know, there's nothing I could do. What do you want me to say? You know, so I really did not feel supported by the administration. It was a it was a very rough day for me, you know, because living in New York City, um, now my kill my kids are going to be staring at the four walls in an apartment, and I have to go to work, and they have to be stuck. Like you know, I use the the analogy like Anne Frank. They're locked in an apartment every day without recess, without school trips, without lunchroom activity, um, and my parents, you know, helped me out and tended to the workbooks, you know, and that's what we did. So we carried on, my husband and I, we carried on with, with going to work and the kids were at home. It was, it was a little shock because I never really knew about homeschool. Like I, you know, you, you have kids and they go to school. I was thrown into the world of homeschool right away. So, but we made it work, you know, and um, I carried on with my job um, and then mysteriously, just mysteriously, COVID dropped, not even five or six months later. Everything just took this eerie turn to, oh my goodness, COVID, 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 and we all need to go into lockdown. So the good news that, I, you know, the red, the silver lining was that I was able to be with my kids and I can carry out the homeschooling for them because I was home with them now. Um, 
but I, you know, I was a little curious about the timing of it all because, you know, there was a little bit of word through the grapevine that, you know, Cuomo took a nice settlement from pharma, you know, and um, then this kind of dropped on our head. And I knew in my heart of hearts that there was going to be some kind of mandate coming down the pike regarding this. You know, everything was coming together at once. So we continued to teach online. We were homeschooling our children. And then the, that, the end of that year, I applied for the exemption to continue working at home. And so did he, because he has a medical condition and I have a medical condition. So I was able to apply for the exemption. So that following year, 2020, 2021, we did not step back into the building. We were teaching online. So it worked out in that respect. Obviously I was happy that I was able to keep my job. I was home with my kids, you know. Um, I wasn't going to be um, exposed to COVID and a lot of the things that they were asking us to do. So in that respect, I was very happy. So we, we had the exemption. So for that school year, 2020, 2021, we were home, homeschooling, and we were giving live instruction, you know, Monday through Friday for um, our students. I taught um, high school, ESL, ELA. He taught math high school. Um, and then it was time to go back to school. We had, you know, learned that de Blasio was opening up the schools and we were hopeful. We were hopeful that everything was going to kind of work out, go away. Um, but there were some concerns of mine uh, regarding testing. And there were concerns of mine regarding the mandate for the teachers to take the vaccine or, or go. But I was still hopeful that it wasn't, maybe I was dreaming, but I was hoping that it was going to kind of just go away. There was going to be enough pushback where they were going to let it slide and let us work, you know, and put the students first. However, I didn't, you know, I wasn't so naive because I saw what they did to my kids. So I was thinking, you know what, they just might not let it go because in the end, what they probably want to do is add this to the list of vaccines for students to adhere to in order for them to go to public school. So we went back to school in September and um, we learned that by October 1st, if we didn't have both shots that, oh no, I think it was the first shot. And then like the second shot had to be by the end of October. If we didn't get the first one by October 1st, we would have to pack and go. So, you know, I wasn't taking it. I knew I wasn't taking it. So every day was very, very painful to me because I, I was administration. I was the head of the ESL department. I was really, really, you know, loved by my students. I was welcomed into the school, you know, with open arms. It was a great learning environment. I really, really liked my administration, my principal, my, my assistant principal, and I knew I was going to have to leave, you know? So it was kind of like this big shadow kind of hovering over me until the day came October 1st that I had to leave and say my goodbyes. And 
you know, it's like, I didn't ask for this. I don't understand how this is legal. I was tenured. If the vaccine works, why do you have to worry about me? I just didn't understand this whole thing. But, you know, most of the staff was going along with it. Everyone's going along with it. Nobody is looking at it from my point of view. I'm not going to say nobody, but almost nobody. I left with about nine teachers in my build in my school. My school was made up of five mini schools. So in my mini school on that floor, nine teachers came with me and they left. But then within due time, four of them got the shot and went back. So I left with five teachers and good ones too. My principal said, like, if I could handpick the teachers that didn't have to go, it would be these. These are like my veteran seasoned teachers. Um, so we left. I also, during that time, I dodged the testing because I really do not believe that if I am a well person, I need to be tested. I had a major problem with that also. I have a fear of things being put in my nose up high. I just, you know, I've heard horror stories. I have had friends have nosebleeds. Like to me, this is looked at as abuse. This is abuse. And uh, it, it, it freaked me out. You know, a lot of these things freaked me out. So now I was out of work. Um, my husband was able to carry on until December 15th for some reason. Now, during that time, before I packed and I left, I had filed for my religious exemption to be exempt from the vaccine. And my lawyer told me, don't focus on the testing, focus on the, the vaccine, because your religious belief to get the vaccine will hopefully encompass the testing aspect later. So that's what I focused on. And I was denied, but I was invited to go to arbitration. So I was able to have a Zoom call with a lawyer, a UFT member, and um, someone else. I don't recall. It was a lawyer and it was a UFT member. Maybe that was all that it was. And we had the Zoom call and I was very, very upset at, during the Zoom call because we went into the Zoom call for with them telling me, these are the reasons why you're not, you're not gonna be accepted to have your religious exemption. Um, so it wasn't much of, a, 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 I didn't make my plea. I, they, we went into it knowing I was gonna fail. So I felt the injustice there also. I was extremely clear on my religious beliefs, my, you know, my freedom as an American citizen, as a taxpayer, um, as, you know, a, a, a law abiding person in my community, I am not sick, I had COVID, like, I believe I had COVID. And I didn't understand why if I had immunity, whatever. I cited um, scripture, I cited the areas in the Torah that I believe are connected to what I should have as, you know, a Jewish woman. Um, I keep Friday night dinner. I keep a kosher kitchen. I, I'm practicing. This is not a game for me. This is, you know, I truly believe that this is God's plan for me. And they just cut me off and sh shut up the zoom. And that was it. They said that they said that um, we also don't have enough space in the building to hold to house you if you are unvaccinated.
So uh, they also made up some story that I can't be placed somewhere, you know, basically isolating me, quarantining me further because I don't have the vaccine. Um, and I'm a healthy human being. So it was a very upsetting experience. So he was asked to leave December 15th and I was asked to leave October 1st and uh, we haven't been back since. And then when did you make the move to Florida? Well, we decided that we, we just, we just soon after that, you know, I stayed in New York with him and the kids until December 15th. And then, you know, we were kind of like looking around at each other, like, wait a minute, we're not allowed to send the children to school, even online school. They are not allowed to attend online classes if they are unvaccinated. At a public school? Yeah. No unvaccinated child, whether it be charter, parochial, yeshiva, public, Amish, whatever it is, you cannot get online instruction during COVID or thereafter. Okay, so we were kind of twiddling our thumbs. The kids can't go to school. They've kicked it. They've turned their back on us. We can't work. And if you want to apply for unemployment, you have to, um, you know, you have to say that you're going, you're not, you're like forfeiting your right to be in the lawsuits, which I wasn't going to do because I was in the lawsuits for the children. I still am. And I'm in the lawsuits for the um, mandate against the teachers. So we kind of had nothing left in New York to do. And this, I mean, we are true New Yorkers, like Yankee fans, born and raised. We owned a property in New York. We had a house. So we were kind of like forced to leave, you know, just to catch our breath. We said, all right, let's go to Florida. We'll decompress and we'll see what's going on. You know, not to throw another, um, you know, kind of challenge into this story, but you know, this does lend itself to New York and what's going on. During that time, we had renters in our property. We owned a home in Westchester County because we couldn't work anymore and we didn't know what was gonna be with the children. We put renters in our home. And then because the moratorium, the renters stopped paying us rent. So New York, turns their back on us with that too. So the renters are now not paying, living for free. The mortgage company is behind us. We can't work. We can't, you know, send the kids to school. So everything started closing in on us. So we had to go to Florida. And so, okay, so just so I understand, you were, you were living in the city, but you had a, a property in Westchester. We when the, we were living in Westchester, but when the stu when the kids got kicked out of school, we quickly scrummaged and we found renters because I needed to be close to my parents because my parents were going okay. to be homeschooling. Like okay. everything started getting so crazy for us. But of so course, you moved, you moved closer. You moved I, out of the place in Westchester yes, to Queens. Rented Queens. rented that out and moved closer to your parents in the city or yes, thereabouts. Yes. Okay. Um, and then uh, you, you were renting in the city or? Yeah, we were renting in the city close okay. to parents because we, we didn't know really how to work this out um, because yeah. I, I was teaching in the Bronx. He was teaching in Queens. So the, the home base was kind of Forest Hills where my 
parents were. So we thought, put the renters there, keep the, you know, because we didn't know what was going to be the outcome of this and we'll carry on. But what was funny to me was that the renters were working people. They were working. We're not working. We were, we were terminated. They don't have to pay the rent and they could live there. So everything so this is, started getting messed up. Right. So this is the statewide, the New York yeah. state uh, rent moratorium that went into effect during the pandemic. Um, when, when did that go into effect? It was uh, 2020 the end of like May, June of 2020. Of 2020, okay. So then your your renters were no longer um, legally obligated to pay rent and they stopped paying you. And they were working, exactly. And right. we, were in, we were in that lawsuit also because we had to go to court for that too. Okay, <laughs> spending a lot of time uh, with the legal system. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, okay, so then then you decided to move to florida you still have the renters in westchester who are not paying the rent um did you what region of florida what part of florida did you move to well thank again thank god for my parents because my parents have two apartments in a complex so we were close to them and they caught us again because we were falling we have no job we have renters that are not helping us with the mortgage. So we have to cover that with our savings. Okay. Right. So we don't go into foreclosure. So my parents put us up in their place and we were able to just have shelter and homeschool these children. I mean, I never in a million years, I have a professional degree above my master's. And so does my husband. We never in a million years could possibly imagine that this is where we would be with our lives right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know what? It's sad because the, the schools in Florida, they do accept the religious exemption and they do accept the medical exemption, um, but they don't have great schools. So of course I would love to be in New York and to put my, cause I had my kids in a fantastic school in Forest Hills. It was a 10. I mean, this is like one of the best schools in the whole entire city. Now I'm forced to scrounge around and find a school that's somewhat suitable for my children. And that bothers me also. I didn't, I just want to add one thing. When I applied for my religious exemption to be exempt from the vaccine so I could still work for the DOE and I was denied, my husband applied for the medical exemption through DOE so he could still, he could still work and be exempt from the vaccine. And that was denied too. He had full documentation from doctors and that was in one quick, you know, he went to arbitration, but like me, they went into it knowing that they were going to deny us. We just mm -hmm. five. So yeah, the medical was denied and the religious was denied. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about what the religious basis um, for your application for an exemption was? What, what were the, you said there were some details from the Torah and also for like for your children, what, what is the religious, um, uh, you know, basis there for not wanting them to be vaccinated and want, not wanting uh, to be vaccinated yourself? Yeah, sure. So like I mentioned, I do keep a kosher home and we keep, uh, Friday nights, and we go to services on Saturday. With that being said, we hold these principles true in our hearts. Furthermore, from like a medical, like a real, real, you know, um, just science 
standpoint. I don't want certain substances put into my children's body or in my body. For example, I don't want pork in my body or in my children's body. This is in the Torah. This is what God has asked. Um, and there is gelatin and, you know, there is pork. There are different um, animals, monkey brain. I'm not even sure right now. I have it listed in my religion when I wrote my religious exemption. So there are particles from animals. And obviously these are animals that we don't want in our bloodstream, but they're also not um, blessed by rabbi, you know, so it's like in two counts, you know, the blood and the particles, the DNA of animal being put into your bloodstream. And also if you do, cause I'm not a vegetarian, if I am going to have it, you know, in my body, it needs to be blessed by a rabbi. That's number one. Number two, God made myself, my, my children whole and pure. I feel extremely, extremely, extremely adamant about not having aborted fetal cells put into my, my children or myself, because, you know, you know, not to get into the whole abortion, you know, debate, but, you know, in Jewish law, you know, killing the, the, the baby, the fetus is, is not, not acceptable. So, you know, you're asking me to put the DNA, the cells of an aborted baby. I have no idea where this baby came from or who it is or what it is. You're mixing genes and I'm not doing that because I don't know who, you know, so it's like, it's compounded. It's the religious aspect. It's the medical aspect. You know, um, it's just not, and also my personal belief against like abortion, but you asked about the religious aspect. So no, I mean, if you think about it, the, 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 the line of Jews, you know, they take this very seriously. They want to stay with, you know, within their community. They want you to marry other Jews. They want you to procreate and have Jewish children. How could you ask us to put the DNA of who knows who from where into our bloodstream? And then we are not going to be whole and pure. But also from a scientific and a medical standpoint, I don't know if these aborted fetal cells are from parents that have, you know, in their genes, like heart disease, cancer, diabetes. I don't really want that exposure into my children's, into their blood. Simple. This is, you're talking about um, <clears throat> cell lines that are yeah. sometimes used in, in research to develop vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. And I mentioned um, to the to the entering arbitration and they. So what when you um, submitted your application, you said that the when you went into the meeting, um, they said, OK, we, we already have the arguments against you, uh, you know, telling you why we're going to reject this. What were the arguments that they made? What did they tell you the reason was for rejecting your application? They didn't give me. They said I was denied. Okay. So they just, you yes, knew going in that, that they were going to deny it, but they didn't really get specific about why. Well, I had a pre pre meeting with the UFT guy before we went into the other room in zoom with the lawyer and he, Oh, he was a mediator. That's what it was. He was like a mediator between like the teachers and the UFT and the board of ed. Um, so the UFT guy, 
was like, all right, you're going to get five minutes to share your, you know, your side, and then he's going to come back and then he's going to share his side. And then uh, you'll have one more chance to add anything. And then we're going to make the decision. The UFT guy seemed to know how this was going to go down. It was very matter of fact, and it was just like rote. And it was very surprising to me because he, I pay the union to protect me. I paid these union dues for 21 years to protect me. I'm a tenured teacher. What, how the strongest union in the country can do this, I have no idea. I will add, I had some correspondence with Randy Weingarten about this. And um, I'm not sure if you're familiar who she is. I'm sure you know who Randy So, is. So Randy Weingarten is the head of the AFT, right? Yes. The now, American and, Federation of Teachers? Yes. She used to and, be in New York City. She's, Sorry. She used to be involved in solely New York City. Very, 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 you know, um, well-respected person in the world of education. I emailed her directly. She was not so nice to me. She was like, well, my, my wife is vaccinated and we go to the synagogue. And if our synagogue accepts it, I don't see how come you're going to give me a religious excuse. You can't pinpoint your synagogue and your beliefs against my synagogue and my beliefs you know i'm i'm i i just i was very shocked by the 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 responses that i get no understanding whatsoever and the lack of support from the union so um the, the explain a little bit if you can what the relationship between the aft and the uft is for people who don't understand well, that. the american federation of teachers is nationwide and the uft is new york city um, you know, it's, it's shocking to me that New York City alone, this is the pilot, this is the, this is like the workshop space for let's kick the kids out of school if the parents don't adhere to the vaccines, and let's kick the teachers out of school and leave them jobless if they don't adhere to the vaccine, but on a national level, they're not there yet. So, I mean, my friend Jen, she's working in Tennessee, no mask, no, no testing you know it's like it's very peculiar to me that new york can go so rogue and the rest of the country is still kind of allowing people to have their their freedom but you know even california has not caught up to what new york is doing and i'm hoping that they won't you know i also didn't talk really about the mask the mask was a major problem for me as well i really the first month that I was at school before I was terminated, October 1st, I was wearing the mask and I really felt that that was abuse. That was absolute abuse. It was preposterous that there were kids sitting with a mask. They were sleeping. It was really affecting their morale, my morale. They were dirty. They were bacteria infested. They were on the floor. They were some hanging off the ears. It was like, I, I couldn't believe the masses was going along with this. I can't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you, um, you were able to get a, uh, some kind of permission to, to continue working remotely, right? What was that? Um, that was, that was, yeah, that was right. Um, so it, 
COVID began in March 2020. I continued working while we were on lockdown on Zoom by Zoom. And then it was open to teachers if they wanted to um, apply for the exemption not to come back in the building. So he applied for the medical, his diabetes, and I have respiratory issues just I don't know. I just do. I get bronchitis and at times I, it turns into an ammonia like over the years. So I was just kind of curious, you know, if I can get my exemption because I was thinking I'm not going to be getting any vaccine. I don't believe in it. Um, and maybe I'll just give it a go. And my doctor said, you know what? I agree with you. Maybe you shouldn't be in that environment. Um, you do tend to get bronchitis in the dead of winter, it has led you to get ammonia. Um, so let's let's see what they say. And they they allowed me to stay home for that year, so I continued to teach online. So you were you did have a concern about COVID um, as an I illness. I did. I mean, I was a little confused about it because on the one hand, I was like, this kind of came out of nowhere. This, but people were dying. I did see that people were dying. You know, I did know, you know, that, that there is something going on, you know, where did it come from? How was it made? Who made it? I didn't know. I'm curious. I'm still curious about that, but I, I do know that it, there, you know, people were, you know, getting very, very sick. So I was concerned about it. Yeah. What do you think um, the appropriate uh, public health measures would have been, in your opinion, if you had been running public health um, during the height of the pandemic, what, what do you think, um, you know, good measures would have been to take for, for the... Well, I, I really come from a train of thought, you know, the less government involved, the better. If, if people are well, and if people have of their of sound minds, and they are not sick, they should be able to go to work. So it just like if I woke up with the flu, I would stay home. If I'm well enough to go to work, I, I would. If I can't and I am sick, of course, there should have been some sort of online option, you know, for students to log in. Same for students. If they're sick, they stay home. If they're not sick, they go to school. Um, I did not understand why, you know, um, the mask mandate was... Uh, People, people were able, like, this is later on in, in COVID, like, you were able to go to like a stadium or like a restaurant, a, a club with no mask, but the students were still wearing a mask. So it, there was a lot of, you know, areas of questioning, what is going on here, you know, so I don't think that it was handled in the right way. And I don't think that forcing people to do anything is going to, is going to be the right the right thing, you know, in the end, because it's just, it's more and more and more and more, you know, and um, I don't think we're done yet. Meaning? <laughs> no, I, I don't think we're done yet because I mean, this, this blew over really, really well, didn't it? I mean, people are, you know, wearing masks now for good. I believe there will be people wearing masks for the rest of their life. There are people who got, you know, double vax, double boosted getting COVID, but they still don't believe that the the vaccine has the, the virus in it. 
They still believe in all the shots that they're effective. I'm still chastised and exiled because I don't have it. And I've, I really haven't really been sick. So they don't put any thought into that. Maybe <laughs> if you're a well person, you should be able to, you know, make a choice for your body and not have to, you know, I really believe it's just like the, you know, some of the other vaccines, that's what a vaccine is. The, the virus is in it. So why would I put it in my body if I don't want to get it? No, no thought, nothing. I do think that they're going to mandate it and then there could be another virus and then there'll be another virus. And, you know, I mean, when I was a child, I got, vac I got my vaccines. So it's not like our family was completely you know, um, against vaccines, but I had six, I had the MMR. I'm sure I had the, um, whatever it is, tuberculosis, I guess it was. I had six. I was born in 1976. I had six vaccines, um, straight as a teen and into college. I didn't get any more. Um, but now the calendar for children is birth to 18. I think it's like 74 in total, some of them are cocktails. So it's not exactly 74 shots. Some of them have like four or five in them. Why is it growing at such a rapid pace? Part of me has a philosophical standpoint also because my husband and I were both educators. I started in 1999. It was a decent sized special ed department. Nothing, nothing of concern, no, no problem. Now there's more special ed students than there are general ed students. There is not enough space in these schools to house the special ed students. So much so that they have to build inclusion classes where they put special ed and general ed together. I get it, but it's really because there's not enough space. Why is there so many special, because there are vaccine injuries. There's brain, there's cognitive issues coming along with these vaccines. So the correlation between the growing special ed department and seeing that as an educator Nobody's even talking about it. No one is, so many kids are on medicine, emotional problems, cognitive delays. I mean, autism alone, ADD, ADHD, Asperger's. I mean, just going on and on and on. And um, yeah, I am not going to take it sitting down. I'm very active in the fight. Right now, a little less active because I am in Florida and I am um, doing real estate. So I have to kind of, button up a little bit because uh you know because of business purposes but i'm not out of the fight yet i i mean we both we were talking about it last night my husband and i if they offered us our job back we would pack up and we would go he has three years left till full pension 27 years of service and teaching night school i was a coach i was the, the head of the department i was teaching i was coaching varsity tennis i mean I put on school plays. I was a dean. I did a lot of things for my my schools over the years, and um, you know, to be kicked out without you know without even a chance, we would go back if we had the chance. I have nine years left to complete my thirty years, and he has three years left. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How did you do, um, get into teaching? My mom was a teacher, and. Um, she was she was a phys ed teacher and uh, a coach also health phys ed and a coach and i went to suny new Paul's and kind of all the girls around me were going into the education ed you know department and i was kind of like you know what i have a creative side i went to high school of art and design for a little while in manhattan 
So I went into elementary education and I really think that I made a good choice. I have a, a concentration in psychology. Um, very like um, good with small children. I'm the mother goose of the bunch. I always, every child is somebody's child in my class. You know, everybody is a star. There's always a success to, to be found. You know, the kid that acts up the most is my favorite by June 26th. Um, and, you know, I couldn't believe, I'm going to start to cry. Um, I couldn't believe that, you know, this could be a job to go in and be around all these wonderful children every day. So, yeah. So you loved it from the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I liked, I, I, I think that, you know, I, if, if you asked me what other career path would you choose or would you, you know, would, would you be suitable for? I don't think there is a better one for me. You know, I love having that freedom to be creative. You know, um, I taught elementary school for 10 years. I was a classroom teacher and then I taught high school for 11 years. So I was able to really, really show my creativity and in the novels that I taught, the discussions that I had, the plays that I put on, the trips that I, I did charity work. And I, you know, uh, we, we, I, I specified in ESL, English as a second language, because um, I have traveled the world and I love language myself. So I found my niche with the ESL department and the ESL students because, um, you know, language learning is something that's very, very difficult. It could be daunting it, at first. I, I speak French and Spanish and um, I really wanted to be there, the advocate for the ESL student that just arrived doesn't really know what's going on, doesn't have any friends, new environment. How can I help this child, you know, cross the finish line and get their high school diploma? So that's what I did. And we really focused on culture and diversity and, um, you know, honoring their culture, acclimating themselves to the American culture, being a New Yorker, um, we're the melting pot. So I think that I made a difference because the ESL student is highly intelligent because they have to learn the content in English and they have to learn it in their, you know, their own language, a lot of translations, a lot of extra work. But for them to be able to pass the regents and to be able to graduate in due time, because they really don't get any, they don't get any breaks. The special ed student gets a little bit more breaks than the ESL student. Um, for them to graduate is a huge accomplishment. And if I was able to be a part of that, like, it's just, it's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. What was it like when you uh, went remote with, yeah, so that seems like a difficult thing to do online, um, teaching language. It was, it was. I, I was teaching ELA and with the ESL students that were in the ELA class, so I modified some of the lessons. I had breakout rooms and I had um, office hours where the ESL kids would come on in. I was also teaching a prep class for college, you know, um, essay writing. I did, a, I like teaching online. I liked it, but it never was my favorite. I do like being in the classroom with the, with the kids, the hustle and the bustle, you know, I, 
I didn't even with with the years that I was teaching high school, I never even took a lunch. I had my classroom open for the ESL kids to come have extra time with the translators, the dictionaries, the laptops, if they needed, you know, they played Uno, they played dominoes. It was just kind of like a warm family-like atmosphere. They hung their coats up in my room. Like I was, like I said, the mother goose of this, their, you know, to, to be there for them in every aspect, you know, mm-hmm. earning credits. If they had another issue with the teacher, I was the bridge that kind of got them on track. You know, I did a lot of regions preparation in all the subjects to help them pass because the dropout rate is high with ESL students. Right. Yeah. Um, for people who are not New Yorkers, you're talking about the regents exams that high schoolers take at the end of high school in New York. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so since you've been in, in Florida, you're doing something completely different. You, um, you and your whole family. <laughs> Well, yeah, I'm doing real estate. That was something that I always wanted to do. Uh, You know, for a long time, I got licensed in Florida to be a realtor. And I also got my license in New York, because I never know if I'm going to be going back to New York. So I did want to, you know, cover that base. I took the test. I'm licensed there, too. Um, So yeah, I've been doing real estate for since November down here. But my husband and I, we both did get teaching jobs for September in Florida. Uh, okay. And uh, how's Florida? How is living in Florida? How's that transition been? Well, living in Florida is glorious. Living in Florida is amazing. I do feel free. Um, the vibe is much, much better. The energy is better. People are not on edge and as intense, you know. Um, but, you know, things are opens. They have been opens. They're not so particular about the mask. Um, you know, we got teaching jobs. Again, this is not what we wanted to do. We're, you know, we're, we're almost crying looking at our salary. I mean, it is, it is a, a big cut that we have to accept, you know, almost like one third of what we were making. Um, and you know, it's like, if we chose to live in Florida because of the sunshine and the lifestyle, that's one thing, but we did not choose this. So to see our salary go down and, you know, he was teaching night school and after school and I was coaching all those extra opportunities are gone. It's hard. It's hard. You know, it's very very hard. Do I think that, you know, being a real estate agent is, um, you know, my life calling? No. It's, it's kind of empty compared to what I, wa- what I was doing and what I was used to. Um, but, you know, when your back is against the wall, you have to do something. Mm-hmm. What is the status of all of your uh, benefits and other things that came along with your jobs in New York? We were told that our health insurance was going to be in effect until September 2022. So to my knowledge, we're getting cut in September with our health. Um, As far as our pension goes, we are, our pension remains, but it only is the years that we have put in, obviously. So they were so gracious to not touch the pension that we already have in place and, you know, our TDA. But it's very sad because, you know, he, my husband and I, we're workers, never a day late. We don't call in sick frequently. You know, we did a lot of uh, per session 
we wanted to make it to the end. Like my parents made it to the end. My mom taught for 30 years. My dad, it was a second profession. So he didn't teach for 30 years, but he did put in his time until his age. We want, we never thought that we were not going to be able to get our full pensions. You know, I see the life that my mom has. She put in 30 years. She has a, a beautiful life down here in Florida. You know, she has a full day filled with with her interests and she has a beautiful pension that she's able to survive on i'm not going to have that you know mm -hmm. and i have two young children we did do some interviewing in new york for jobs in long island and in westchester because you are able to teach outside of new york city and right. then we can continue working in new york towards our full pension however as you can imagine I still don't know what to do with my children because they can't go to school. So in the, that, in the entire state, in the entire state. Yeah. So that door closed on us. Also, we tried everything. We were thinking of living in New Jersey and crossing the border and going to work in Westchester every day. And then the kids would go to school in, in New Jersey. Everything is so complicated because our freedoms have been taken away. It just seems so it seems so difficult. A lot of twists, a lot of turns. I'm going to be working in one state. The kids are going to be in another state. It just, it's like, how difficult is it to live in 2022? I can't believe it, you know, in my home state. And I'm sad because you know what, there's a lot of things that are, that New York does for, you know, people. There's a lot of programs. There's a lot of grants. There's a lot of like allowances for people in New York. And I don't want that taken away from anybody, but me as a New Yorker, as an American citizen, I'm forced to leave. I just can't believe that. You know, I just can't believe that. Mm -hmm. I've been in so many protests. I can't even tell you standing in the cold, 15 degree weather for 10 hours with signs and noise blowers and I mean, I was on, like I said, I was on Good Morning America twice. I was, I was in the Netflix movie, 20, Goodbye 2020. I don't know if you saw that. They, they featured me in that movie as well. I was like the, uh, you know, the spokesperson for teachers getting fired. Had you ever uh, been a protester for anything else before? I was approached after Good Morning America by quite another, uh, quite a bit of other um, news channels, but I denied them because um, the spin that they put on it, the spin that they're going to put on it, you know, and uh, I just, I just said no, I just said no. Because what, what, what was the spin? What, what was the, how did you see the media coverage? There was little, there was none at all for the students. That's very curious too why there's talking, okay so you're talking about in 2019 when the state um no i'm talking about what my religious exemptions no i'm talking about i was on good morning america and i was in the netflix movie and i was you know approached for the teachers getting fired because of the covid vaccine mandate but mm -hmm. just to circle back to the media coverage in general i just wanted to mention that there was absolutely zero media coverage when 30,000 kids got kicked out of school and siblings were now homeschooling their younger siblings at home without parental, you know, advisement. And uh, that was zero to none. And then for the teachers, it was nothing, five, two minutes, nothing, nothing. 
but but okay so just are just we, so people understand who are who don't know new york sure. as well um you when you're talking about thirty thousand students not being able to go to school anymore you're talking about in the 2019 when the state made uh they got rid of religious exemptions for childhood vaccinations yes right? exactly. yeah and you're saying there, there was just no coverage of that Exactly. And there was very little coverage for the teachers also with the for the teachers. Right. But had you other than this issue, have you ever been a, um, a politically active person or a protester or um, were, there, were there other things that you were involved in other issues? I started when the kids got kicked out. I mean, I kept my political uh, viewpoints pretty much to myself. They were quite unpopular at the time. I saw total, total biased in the school system. I mean, I can't even get started on that. Um, that was just totally ridiculous to me how one-sided it was, but I knew better and I kept my, my mouth shut. You know, I didn't want to make enemies or anything like that, but you know, they're really grooming the students to, to look at things in a certain way, but no, I really became active in the fight once the kids got kicked out and then for us to lose our jobs, you know, get the kids getting kicked out was almost small potatoes compared to two teachers. Now we don't have food to eat. I mean, if my parents didn't have a place for us to live, I don't even, because I don't even know what would have happened. There's no thought of us as human beings. Like I, I can't believe how heartless it was. It's crazy. So your union, um, <clears throat> I know you weren't happy with the, the higher up um, people in the union, but what about your your direct representatives um, in the union? You said that there were other people in your school who were um, opposed to the vaccine. Did you have any kind of representation through the union? Did they do anything for you? <laughs> Nothing. Okay. Only the only, the only conversation was in the hallways, which which one did you get? Oh, I got the J&J. Oh, I got the Moderna. That's all that people were talking about in the hallways. I had to close my door because I, I felt so isolated and alone. Do you have mixed feelings about unions now? On one hand, you're talking about the... Um, the fact that you had better wages in New York as a teacher. And oh, yeah. I think that's attributable to the history of unions um, in New York, right? Um, <clears throat> on the other hand, you don't feel that you were represented in this instance no, at all. Not so at do all. You, like, what, what would you want to see happen with unions in order to, you know, preserve the good things? There, there and... is no union. It's bought. It's bought and paid. I mean, there were town halls that my husband and I, we logged into and the head of the union, I forgot his name right now. I don't even want to remember it. Um, Michael said, Mulgrew? Mulgrew, exactly. Yeah. Mulgrew. Oh, you, you know, yeah, I don't agree with it, but that's what they said. And that's all he, that's it. We had town halls. He didn't let us speak. He didn't give, he says, my doctors, his doctors, the union's doctors recommends it. So that's it. Kibosh. That's it. Period. How you can leave us for dead? There is no union. It's all bought and paid. I'm sorry, by the Democratic Party. That's it. That's the world we live in right now. You have to call it what it is. So 
I'm so, you know, I, I, I hate to, to call a spade a spade, but not that, not that the Republican party has helped, you know, but, um, you know, New York is very blue, very liberal. They create panic through the media. Of course, they don't want somebody like me around. I'm, you know, I don't have it, but they don't stop to think she's healthy. She, there's nothing wrong with her. She, she has rights as, I don't understand in, the, in 2020 how you cannot have rights as a human being of what goes into your blood. I can't understand it. Um, let's talk about the arguments that people who support vaccination and support mandatory vaccination sure. make. Um, so you can tell me what you, what you think about that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think the argument for children has always been that we need to have her, all, all of the children need to be vaccinated so that there are no childhood diseases in circulation. If there's a certain percentage of the right. childhood population vaccinated, um, then we'll have <clears throat> herd immunity and um, no children um, who are especially vulnerable, for example, um, will will catch these terrible diseases, including your children, um, right? Um, so so this is the argument that's made for for all children to be vaccinated. And then I think it's it's pretty similar for for the COVID um, va vaccines, right? right. Uh, the argument is that it will uh, reduce the vulnerability of everyone, reduce the spread of the disease. Um, even if, okay, we, we've seen pretty clearly at this point that the, the COVID vaccines don't eliminate transmission, but there's still an argument that they reduce transmission, right. they reduce the severity of the disease. So what do you think about all of those arguments that people make? Um, I think that, I'm, I'm going to tell you quite honestly, I think that um, the doctors are in bed with the politicians. I think that the numbers are skewed. I think that the narrative is a beautiful narrative, but I don't think that the panic is as great as they, you know, make it out to be. They literally can tell us anything that they want. Um, I think that we have an immune system and it works well if you allow it to work. I do think that foreign bodies and foreign chemicals and all man-made things that are put into your body are going to cause you to be sick. There are repercussions for the vaccines that could be far, far, far worse than rolling the dice on polio, which we really haven't seen in like generations. So I think that it is a beautiful story and I don't buy it. I just don't, I don't buy it. And furthermore, I've said this so many times, that's why I didn't say, start by saying this. If the vaccine works and your child has it, I wish you all the best, no judgment whatsoever, but it works for your child, so keep it. You don't have to mandate anything for my child. So if you, it works, that's the purpose of the vaccine. If it works, you don't have anything to worry about. But you, you know, like logic has gone out the window and that's it because, you know, they're force feeding viruses to create the solution. And then it's like, you know, you're just paying the drug dealer. And then you get furthermore side effects and then you need more medication and you're on this constant merry-go-rounds. And my entire family, including my elderly parents, we're fine. 
nobody like we have not taken one test we don't do tests in this family that's we do not do covid tests in this family what is your objection to test to testing i don't see why i have to find out if i have covid if covid is just a cold if i have a cold and i'm sick i'll i'll lay down and get better and the big rush oh my god oh my you know i obviously won't go out of the house it's not like i would you know want to spread it you know mm-hmm. i'm a, and i'm not evil you know but why the rush to find out oh my god to find out you have to find out you have to find out okay you found out you're still laying down and not going outside so what is the idea plus i honestly i'm going to tell you quite frankly i don't trust what's on the tip of the stick anything can go and this this is like the wild west it's totally turned into anything goes mm-hmm Mm-hmm. I mean, I have, I've, I'm very active on Facebook. I have tons of posts, you know, on the mask box itself. It says breathing in these fibers can be harmful to your lungs and cause, you know, cancer, you know, there's carcinogenics on the tip. There's carcin, you know, in the, in the sterilization of the tip of the, of the test. Why you are now telling me that I can't work unless I stick that in my nose. No. Something's wrong here. So I I think the argument for that was asymptomatic spread, right? The idea that you could spread the virus without knowing it, without having any symptoms. Right. Is that something that you don't see as, um, you don't believe it? Or I don't don't believe it. Yeah. I think that they, I think that there's so many false positives that you can't even put your faith into the test. And then the other ones that are not giving you false positives, they actually probably maybe have the virus on the tip and then you're getting COVID. Anything is possible. This doesn't come from the sky, like COVID, all of a sudden people are falling down dead and then people are getting tested and then they're getting COVID and then they get the vaccine and then they're getting COVID. You know, like my head is spinning with, you know, every day this is changing. Not even to touch upon the fact that this a vaccine has to have 10 years of longitudinal study in order to see you know, what is going to be the long-term and short-term effects of the vaccine. So of course it doesn't work. I'm not even mad that people are getting COVID, even that that they have the vaccine. That's like straight out of the gate, like expected. We don't know how effective it's going to be, but we don't know if people are going to be getting cancer in four or five years either. People, now there's all of a sudden a spread of HIV. Why is there a spread of HIV? All of a sudden, all of, you know, People, all these athletes are dropping dead just like this. Nobody is paying attention and I still can't work. You're still telling me I have to take this. I, 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 I don't buy it. So I'm going to, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, you know, sitting tight until, you know, this blows over. It might be my whole life. I don't buy it. They can, the, the, the doctors, you know, this, this is, very, 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 very upsetting. The doctors are the middleman. The doctors are delivering this. My husband comes from a family of doctors. Everybody, all his brothers and his sister and all of the, his nieces and nephews, they're all doctors. They studied at a private university in Columbia. Um, they know that there are side effects and they know that people are going to die because he's he, he was contemplating it to keep his job. He spoke to his brothers. They know that people are going to die. They know that there are going to be vaccine injuries, but they say, you have to do it anyway. And they have paid vacations in Cabo. 
they have bonuses to keep everybody on the calendar and it's a business and that's it so do you is do you think that's what this is about a, a business <laughs> what? of course this is a business you have to create panic to give the control to, you know, I believe the vaccine is going to be mandated. If not, they're going to continue. Then you get it. You get sick with a thousand other ailments. You need to be put on these medications. You, you know, the insurance companies get to raise their premiums. Everybody's in on it. The doctors gain bonuses. You know, there are doctors who are in our corner, you know, and I, I salute them for risking their lives, you know, but there's, they're few and far between. They have been, they have been told that they will lose their license if they speak the truth. So I do understand their position. They can't really, you know, speak too much. I'm an educator. That's what I do. I'm allowed to share what I believe is, you know, truth as an educator. You know, I've been watching this whole thing unravel and, Something is not kosher. <laughs> so how, where do you think we go from here? There's this huge divide, right? Between you, people who are, are um, of a similar opinion, right? And people in you know, there are lots of people in New York who supported the, the vaccine, who support the mandates, who support all of these public health measures, who have a great deal of confidence in um, the public health officials uh, who are designing the, the, these policies. Um, and then you and, and a lot of other people have absolutely no confidence in them, in the... Uh, information that they're presenting mm -hmm. um you you see it as being completely corrupt mm -hmm. so even if they it seems like you, even if they came out with a study and said like this is our evidence you would you would think no that's that's a corrupt i won't even look at it i won't even I won't, information I, yeah I won't even look at it because it's gone so far off the deep end but to answer your question i would say this we do have to stick to the Constitution. We do have to stick to, adhere to some sort of freedoms. I mean, this is the United States of America. I'm proud to like live here and have been born here. You know, we have been given these rights and these God-given rights. If we have to fight it out, we'll fight it out. But I'm not going to take away what you want to do. And you cannot take away what I want to do as a free human being, you know? And I certainly don't believe that the government should have so much say. I mean, there's, there's, there's conferences every day, presentations every day. They're flying around Twitter and Facebook. You know, there are these officials that are bringing the evidence. These are the amount of people who have died since the vaccine. These are the amount of people who have, you know, uh, gotten COVID since they had their third booster. These are the people in Israel who are getting sick and still getting COVID and, you know, these are the people who have respiratory issues because of the mask, but they're overriding them. Nobody is listening to any kind of balanced, you know, coherent rhetoric. What's truth? Nothing. So how can I furthermore believe what you're going to bring me? If everybody's, you know, this is like, uh, this is a gold mine, you know, if they, they, if they could get everybody to, to be on board with this. 
but you have to, we have to agree to disagree. That's what I want to say. We just have to agree to disagree, you know, and that's fine. But like, as a mother, as like mama bear, you, you know, you cannot tell me what to do with my children and you know, you cannot, in, you can't impose your beliefs into my blood. Can't. Just like, you know, and I want to just say that I'm really, really, really happy about, you know, the um, overturning, you know, to the state level, the abortion issue. Not that I don't believe in a woman's right to choose. I do believe in a woman's right to choose. Okay. So that's where I, I, I differ from my conservative beliefs. I do believe in a woman's right to choose, but I have to point out the other side has to see how it feels for the government to impose their, their, you know, restrictions, their beliefs on your body. Now you know how it feels. If it goes for the, you know, the abortion issue, it has to be the same for the injection that you're mandating me to, to, you know, live. Same. Now, you know, they have to know how it feels. It's a good, it's a good experience for, you know, the left to see what we're going through. Don't impose it on me. I won't impose it on you. It, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it being on the state level anyway. If you don't like the, you know, the, the rules, like vote it out. That's fine. Do you, do you see this as a, a right left split? <laughs> I do, but I do see, you know, I think that it's, I think that we're, we're actually in a good place. We're in a bad place, but I think that we're in a good place because I feel that the left has gone so far off the deep ends that even very lib like a lot of liberal or moderate liberals they are starting to say okay wait a minute this is this has gone too far out of control so i do think that we might gain some momentum because it's just gone gotten so radical and if if they if we are able to get people to be you know me a little bit in the middle or a little bit more moderate on the left maybe we'll be able to like gain our wits again about us mm -hmm. I never in a million years would have thought that life would be like this in 2022. So sorry to interrupt you. No, I, I was going to ask if you are optimistic about that happening, about people moving toward each other again a little bit, moving toward the center again, because I see you uh, leaving the state, right? Um, when you're talking about people living and, uh, you know, live and let live, the way that's happening is people are separating, right? Like I wouldn't people... have left if I, <laughs> I mean, I didn't want to leave. I, I actually feel pretty bad inside that I left because I didn't want to abandon my sisters, my warriors, you know, um, my tribe in New York. I know that that's not the solution, you know, and I was really one of the more outspoken ones. Um, so I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to seem like a quitter. I just, I don't know what to do about the children and about not being able to work. I was like hit with both at the same time. A lot of kid people, a lot of the, the parents that are in my fight, it was just the parents and they were able to work and they put them in pods or they have a nanny or whatever, you know, but I don't have that luxury because I have to work and now I lost that. So um, yeah, if you have to move, you have to move. You know, there's plenty of people who don't, you know, um, want the vaccine and they were on our side somewhat, but they took it anyway so they could stay. That I'm not gonna do. 
that is where you have to draw the line in the sand. If I have to move and you want to call me a quitter, that's fine. But the health, you know, of, of myself comes before anything else. I mean, I have to be alive and well for these kids. I really believe that we're going to be in for a, a shock in the coming years with, you know, people who took it for sure. I mean, and you can, you, I don't want to like get into conspiracy theories or anything like that, but in this whole like digital day and age where everything is moving into like a digital arena, I mean, it, it, it's not so far-fetched that we will be digitalized. So that could be the push, you know, it could be. What, what do you mean by digitalized? You know, like we'll, we'll be able to scan our hands in order to enter the gym or, you know, facial recognition, like a certain, certain, you know, it, a chip. Um, these are not my, you know, thoughts. This is what's on the news. They're talking about chipping people and they, you know, put it in the hands and then, you know, you can monitor where your teenager is at. This is, this is big business. It has to start somewhere. So like they can't make coming from the back with, with the COVID, you know, and then they can get everybody on board with that. And the, you're saying the relationship to COVID is things like vaccine passports. Is that what you're talking about? Of course. My kids yeah. couldn't go to the movies. I cannot believe that I, in this day and age, I'm seeing something that is similar to the Holocaust. Identifying where are your papers? This is so, so awful and discriminating that I don't know. I, I, I took my kid, my, my ex-husband took my kids to see Clifford, the red dog around December and they were turned away because they don't have their vaccine passport, their papers. Nobody in New York feels this way, that this is wrong. Even if you want the vaccine, get it. But we have to present our papers to, to discriminate. Awful. So I haven't heard this rhetoric as much recently, but during um, 2021, um, when there were a lot of protests going on, uh, some of the protesters used... Um, references to the Nazis and, you know, swastikas and this kind of thing um, in the protests, and they were attacked for being anti-Semitic. Um, you, you were just making a comparison to the Holocaust. Okay. Um, what did, you must have seen that in the media, that people were being accused of being uh, anti-Semitic, who were using those, that symbolism in the protests. What, what did you think about that whole discourse? It's a spin on, it's a spin on the, from the media. The people that were on our side saying that this is Nazi-like, this is World War II-like, this is the, this is something straight out of the textbook from the Holocaust. We're actually bringing it to everyone's attention that you're treating the unvaccinated people the way the Jews were treated. They were isolated, they were insulted, they were demeaned. Anything you want to say, we're bringing it to your attention. But they spin it and they say that we're anti-Semitic. It's so obvious. You know that it's just a it's a spin like everything else. I mean, I think that for my children to have to be locked up, and not be able to go to school, and I have to show my papers, and I have to be muzzled up. I mean, I'm not going to say it's worse than the Holocaust, but it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Mm -hmm. You're kind of talking about the early phase of what happened in Nazi Germany. Um, it's, it's, it's segregating a group. 
Yeah. Right. And gathering through the media and all the propaganda of everybody to adhere to it and go along with it. It's the silenced people that also are going along with this. I mean, there's a lot of people that I spoke to in private that got the vaccine that agree with me, that agree. If you don't want it, that's messed up, Miss Levystone, or that that's terrible that they can't. They agree with me, but they don't say anything. So we're fighting it like alone. It's a very tough battle. Many, many, many people agreed with me that I shouldn't be fired. And it should be, you know, if you just say, if the vaccine works, go ahead and get it, more power to you, then you should be able to work without being vaccinated. That's logic right there. But logic, you know, has gone out the window. And the fact that you don't have the freedom to like, um, this, I, my voice was silenced. Even in the arbitration, I was cut off. I was only given five minutes. They they cut me off. They interrupted me. To be silenced and not have a you know a sounding board of logic that they will listen to, you know, or answer my questions. Nothing. It was. It's. It's really crazy. It's really really crazy. What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> why Why do you think that if there were a lot of people who agreed with you, why do you think they didn't? come forward with that position why why didn't they support the position that you're taking they're going to be put into the camp. nobody wants they're going to be put into my camp we're considered conspiracy theorists we're considered contagious we're considered crazy we don't believe the science no i actually believe the science that i that's what that's the ironic thing i believe the science i feel like they don't believe the science you know, so they don't want, and maybe they just don't want to, you know, they're not as brave. Not everybody is as brave, you know? Not, I mean, I'm not afraid of COVID. I'm not going to hide in my house and like drive in my car alone with a mask. And I'm not afraid to voice my opinion, you know? And we need more people like this. This is, this is a bodily autonomy is the baseline of being a human being bodily autonomy what is going on here so yeah they're afraid hmm. okay so right now you're involved in uh, various legal actions um do you um any news about those do you know what's <laughs> what are your expectations there the teachers won the teacher um law lawsuit they shot us down we appealed we appealed we appealed there were a few thousand of us. We appealed, we appealed. They shot us down in five minutes. I think it was Sonia from, uh, you know, New York and the Supreme Court shot us down. She didn't even read the paperwork. She said that we would not be heard, which is interesting. She's from the Bronx, right? Very liberal, you know, immigrant, open-minded, right? All-inclusive, everybody matters. And doesn't even read the paperwork on us. Was this the first, this was the first uh, Kane case or? No, no. Which, that was another one. I was in a private one where we paid. We paid a lot of money to be in it for with some lawyers from Staten Island. Okay. In the Sussman case, then there was the Kane case. And then there was the, um, I don't remember their name. There are two Italian uh, lawyers, very big time lawyers in Staten Island. Um, and it was one of the teachers who was leading the way 
So I got involved in that one. Um, and we were not hurt. We weren't able to even bring it to Springport. I can't believe it in this day and age. I mean, a lot of my, the people that I speak to before I got fired, a lot of the teacher says, you know what, you'll win in the end. We agree with you. You'll win in the end, but it's going to take about like five, 10 years. Five, 10 years is like. Why, why do they think you'll, you'll win in the end, but legal. not now? <laughs> this is totally legal. This, I mean, it is not legal to fire us. They say that we're not fired. They say that we're terminated and we made a choice. What a play on words. If I technically can't, he can't have it because his doctor says no. He, he should lose his salary and his position, his status, everything he worked for. If I don't want it because this country was built, the forefathers on Christian Judeo principles, and I don't want it because I believe in it and I'm practicing. I gave many examples of how I'm practicing. This isn't like I'm just making it up. Um, you take that away from me? We're in a very, very precarious situation in the United States right now. So, so what about currently in terms of your legal cases? What, what is the status of? I'm still happening? involved in the case for the students, Jim Mermigus, um, and Kevin Barry. They do a lot of, um, they do a lot of work with the college students to try to get the college students after they graduate and work so hard to go to university. So they're working on exemptions. Um, they win some of it, but they have not won the 30,000 student, uh, you know, getting kicked mm. out of the case. So no. mm -hmm. They can't, they can't let that case win because if they let that case win and those 30,000 students are able to go back to school, they can't mandate the COVID vaccine for all the other students that are still in school. So then the deal is off. That's it. It's as simple as that. I heard it was 41 million that Cuomo took from Merck. So I don't know. I'm sure that uh, Adams has a, has a nice chunk of change coming his way. <laughs> You're talking about political campaign contributions, that kind of, of thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a conflict of interest. Nobody's looking at that. There's no adherence to any, you know, like, I, I don't know. That's why I say that it's like almost like the Wild West, you know, and I don't know. It's very, very upsetting. It's very upsetting. Everything is related. Everything is related. You know, are the voting, you know, ballots correctly counted? You know, are we having, you know, real realistic elections? Are, are the numbers real? No. Okay. Then we have officials that believe in this and then they mandate this and then they're getting contributions from them. And then, you know, it's like you're squeezing out the American citizen. So how do you come back from that? You just you you have this like um, just overriding um, feeling that every all of these institutions have become corrupted. I how mean, I did look for confidence it. in them or reform them in such a way that that um, I can't restore them. I mean, we can yeah. we can continue. I mean, a lot of the people in my in my camp were we're not we're not laying down yet. Um, but what do I do? Like on a, on a practical level, I just have to get through the day. I have to feed my children. I have to homeschool my children. I have to be able to find somewhere to live. 
you know, I never knew. I was living a very lavish lifestyle in New York. You know, I had a five acre property with pool and tennis. And now I'm homeless. That's what it is. That's what New York did to me. If I have a place to live, but it's my parents. I don't have a home. Um, I have to find a way to live. And if it, if, if it gets worse, I might have to move out of the country. I don't want to, I don't, I don't know what, what is, you know, around the bend. I mean, I, my, my husband is Colombian. We thought about going to Colombia, like just living quietly on a piece of land, like where we're going to be able to live in peace. We don't know what on earth is going to be coming next. Right now we're stable in Florida because, you know, our governor is, uh, he's not, he's not giving into a lot of this. So I feel very secure being here. But I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I really don't. So I don't know how I don't think we're going to come back from it so soon, but we need more people to to join on. And that's it. Yeah, I I mean, it really sounds like um, you're you have a little bit of hope in the legal system as a an avenue for recourse or or an avenue for redress of your (laughs) grievances. Very little. Right. and some reform of the of the system um but it doesn't sound like you have hope in much else in terms of you know the mechanisms for for in our society for having your grievances addressed or yeah everything is happening too fast too soon um we're move, we're we're going like 100 miles an hour mm-hmm. the the life that i lived when i was a child was stellar compared to, I mean, what's going on now. My children, I can't believe what the children of today are dealing with. I mean, the mask, it's like a science fiction movie. They can't recover. I saw my students once I went back after COVID for that month that I was school in school. It's almost like they cannot recover from the lull of living at home, being online. It took everything out of them. They don't want to go back to school. They don't want to be there. They want to be online. They want to be sleeping in the bed. It it's bad, you know. It's really bad. And you know, the the chaos that's going on, you know, it's not it's not um a surprise that there's so much crime. People are people are struggling. People are hurting. The mental mental health issues. I mean, I don't know. I think that uh, we're we're not out of the woods yet, by no means, and I don't have faith that it's going to, you know, be so easy to regain a free world, a free life, a free state. I mean, I don't know. I wish there were more people that would stick up for our side, whether you agree with us or not, just on a humanistic level, as humans, you know. That's it. Is there any silver lining? Is there anything that's come out of this whole experience that has been new and optimistic for you? Or is it just like across the board bad? (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I feel like, I feel, you know, more, um, I feel, I just feel good about my convictions I feel good about my beliefs. I'm glad that I'm still standing. I'm glad that I wasn't weak, you know, and I didn't give in. 
you know, I mean, just the health of my family. That's great right there. Everybody's healthy. We're live. We're well, no fuss, no mess, nothing, you know? So that's a beautiful silver lining right there. And also I will say, you know, I'm not hating the sunshine, going to the beach, being safe in my home. I was not safe in New York when I was living in Queens. You know, I did not feel safe. Um, so listen, the Lord works in mysterious ways. Maybe everything is going to, you know, work out in the end. I can, I, I can enroll my kids in school in September. That's nice. You know, no mask. I'm not putting them in a mask. So those are things that I'm very much looking forward to having that freedom. You know, I'm, I'm, I will, I will continue to search for that freedom. If it's taken away from Florida, I will plow forward and I will find another place. You know, but it unfortunately, I don't know if you're going to be able to exit and enter any country without the vaccine passport in the near future. So I have to keep that in mind. Right. Right. Yeah. Is there any aspect of this that I haven't brought up that you wanted to talk about? No, I, I think I covered a lot. I think that we had a really good conversation about it. I'm glad that you allowed me to share my voice. I know that I do sound, you know, a little adamant, but I've been through a lot. So, you know, if I sound, you know, with a curt tone, I'm sorry. It's been very, you know, tough for me and my family. But like I said, we're, we're, we're doing okay. Well, I'm glad for that. Okay. <laughs> thank you well yeah i really want to thank you for for talking with me and um and i hope that you will um give us an update too down the line sure when things are resolved um one way or another <laughs> let us know how that comes out thank you amy